Today is the first Sunday after Epiphany Day. And it's the Sunday that we typically call the Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And in the next several weeks, we're going to be in a sermon series called No Outsiders. The emphasis of the Epiphany uh, time of the year in the Christian year is an emphasis that turns our focus outward. So this sermon series will do the, the same, we hope. It's a time when we look at our call, as the old spiritual says, to go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. But then he also was baptized, as we look at today. And he also lived into a life of teaching and preaching and healing. He died on a cross and he rose from a grave for you and for me. And the good news of our gospel is what this season is about and our proclamation of it is our charge. Here at Lover's Lane, we call our disciple making loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for this first Sunday after Epiphany, this baptism of the Lord Sunday, we're going to be addressing all welcome in the waters. Today we're going to be looking at the 8th chapter of Acts. And in this 8th chapter, there are four verses in the very center of this chapter that we'll read, beginning with the 14th uh, verse, that uplifts Peter and John going on behalf of the apostles of Jerusalem, the church in essence, to a city in Samaria to lay hands on and pray for believers who have been baptized but who haven't received the Holy Spirit. So I'd like for us all to turn now to the 8th chapter of Acts, beginning with the 4th verse. And I want us to remember that it is um, a pretty amazing thing that the church is called to follow Philip, a Hellenistic Jew, a Greek-speaking Jew, who has already proclaimed the good news, who has already performed amazing acts of healing, and who has baptized these Samaritans. And the church is called to respond. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Now those who were scattered went from place to place proclaiming the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds with one accord listened eagerly to what was said by Philip, hearing and seeing the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud shrieks, came out of many who were possessed, and many others who were paralyzed or lame were cured. So there was a great joy in the city. Now a certain man named Simon had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed people of Samaria, saying that he was someone great. And all of them, from the least to the greatest, listened to him eagerly, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they listened eagerly to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, who was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, 
both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. After being baptized, he stayed constantly with Philip and was amazed when, the, when he saw the signs and the great miracles that took place. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain God's gift with money. You have no part or share in this. For your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours. And pray to the Lord that if possible the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the chains of wickedness. Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may happen to me. Now after Peter and John had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, proclaiming the good news to many villages of the Samaritans. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's an amazing statement that we've just read that the apostles, the church, in Peter and John were so prejudiced against the Samaritans and yet it was the Holy Spirit who moved them to the Samaritans. Now we know there's a long history and distrust between the Jewish people and the Samaritans even though the Samaritans were in fact Jews themselves. It started and went all the way back to the 8th century when the Assyrians invaded the northern kingdom. And as conquerors did in that day, they took the, the brightest and the most gifted and the most powerful from the land into Assyria. And they left the poor and, and those whom they didn't want in the land. And there in Assyria, they married with strangers and these mixed marriages led to a new race called the Samaritans. And in the 6th century BC the Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom. However they were stubborn and refused to lose their identity and they, they forbid intermarriage in a, in a huge way. And so they constantly looked down upon the Samaritans as those who had in fact given in and had become impure and inferior and unfaithful and low-life Samaritans, wanting nothing to do with them. And Peter and John 
are especially sent to Samaria in order to welcome the people of the Christian community. According to Luke, they went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. You know, one can never be sure where the Holy Spirit will lead you or even to whom the Holy Spirit will lead you. If you've had dealings with the Holy Spirit, you know that the Spirit moves, as Jesus said, like the wind. Remember in John's Gospel, the third chapter, the eighth verse, the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit coming on us is a gift, and the Spirit changes us and makes us new. What we acknowledge in this passage, as well as through the whole testimony of Acts of the Apostles, is that the Holy Spirit is not restricted to national borders or to racial boundaries. The Holy Spirit pays no attention whatsoever to arbitrary distinctions that we seem to draw among ourselves. The Holy Spirit is like the wind that sweeps across and comes and fills people, whether Jew or Samaritan, as is the case today. And I have witnessed, and I'm sure you have witnessed, that the Holy Spirit has filled people, whether they are white or black or brown. The Holy Spirit has filled people who are hearing, Tom, and who are deaf. The Holy Spirit fills people who are old and who are young, who are straight and who are gay, who are addicts or who are offenders. The Holy Spirit moves as the wind upon people, and we have witnessed people who we know are filled with the Spirit, and they live a life that is the life of Jesus with the fruit of the Spirit bearing witness to their filling. You know, the best response that we as Christians can have to the Holy Spirit is to move where the Spirit is moving. To go where the Spirit goes and to be right in the middle of God's will, brought there by the Spirit. You know, one of the trademarks of the Holy Spirit is to give people a way back into relationship with God and also with each other. My guess is that many of us here today can testify to the Holy Spirit moving and you found yourself in the midst of a broken relationship and it didn't seem like there was any way that reconciliation could take place and something moved you to forgive Or something moved you to ask for forgiveness. And and you look at that situation as a situation that you would have never initiated on your own. And yet the Holy Spirit moved in you. And healed that brokenness. And made that relationship whole again. Peter and John must have felt that way when suddenly... They found themselves praying, laying on hands on Samaritans, Samaritans whom they wouldn't even shake their hands, much less pray for them and lay hands upon them. It was the Holy Spirit that moved them 
to this kind of loving action. Now let's look at the action of healing on the part of Philip. That really was what brought that city and community um, a, a new joy as the scripture we read today speaks of. The first thing we need to recognize is that Philip was healing people, proclaiming the word in the name of Jesus Christ and in the spirit of Jesus Christ. And we know when we see and look at the healing ministry of Jesus from the Gospels, we read over and over and over again how Jesus is going and he's healing people through the power of the Holy Spirit. He heals a Roman centurion, a Gentile's servant from a distance. And he goes to the house of Jairus to heal his daughter. He heals one with a touch. He heals another with a word. And we remember the blind man that he put the, the mud and the spittle and made that ointment in essence that caused the man to receive his sight. He heals the Canaanite woman, her daughter, reluctantly. He heals the bleeding woman that was unintentional. She reached out and touched the hem of his garment. So when we read about the healing ministry of Jesus, what we recognize is that there is no single recipe that the Holy Spirit moves in Jesus' healing ministry just like the wind of the Spirit. And that healing is given in different ways and different forms to different people without respect of, of them being different, of them whether or not they're Jews or Gentiles, whether or not they're considered clean or unclean. The Holy Spirit moves. So the Spirit makes this loud proclamation through the healing ministry of Jesus that Philip embraces that there are no outsiders. Gentiles outside the law are healed. The Canaanite woman of an alien culture who is outside the law is healed. And one who is unclean according to the law is healed. All to whom Jesus brought healing, the Holy Spirit moved beyond the law with amazing measures of grace. And that's the way the Holy Spirit moves among the church today. Let's address how the Spirit moves in the waters of baptism and what it means. Today as a church focused on epiphany, focused on going and telling the world about what Christ has done and is doing. We are a people who see a world that is torn by what we think of outsiders. We don't know how to make decisions related to outsiders, particularly immigrants at this time. Our political mechanisms seem to be all locked up and no one knows which way to go. It's frustrating for our lawmakers, I'm sure for our president, and for us as citizens. We're frustrated. And we've heard all about it all week and likely we will next week too. We are a nation too often religiously suspicious. We just heard about the incident in Tarrant County 
We're in the midst of, of, of a, a county political party election of a vice chairman. Because that man was a Muslim, it was called into question. Thank goodness that cooler heads prevailed. We are a United Methodist denomination contemplating division and split over matters related to inclusion of gay and lesbian people. Baptism has a lesson for each of us. Baptism comes to us and says we are one family. There is one baptism, one Lord, one church. And we recognize that through baptism we are formed into the likeness of Christ. Paul said in Corinthians, the 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. I want to say this morning that baptism at Lover's Lane, the experience of baptism at Lover's Lane has changed my ministry and changed our church. Now, we, we all have a unity and understanding, hopefully, as United Methodists as, what, as to what baptism is all about. The simple water baptism is about a simple proclamation that has eternal significance. We recognize in baptism that God loves us first, that God initiates love for us, that we are all adopted children of God, sons and daughters, therefore brothers and sisters because of that one baptism. It doesn't matter if we're one day old and we have no clue what is happening in baptism or if we're 99 years old. The symbol is the same. God loves us first and offers us new life in Christ. Now I believe that the baptism of adults is the same as infant baptism with the exception that an adult can cognitively recognize that 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 adult is accepting that first love of God and therefore says, and I love God too and I want to live my life in accordance to the ways and the will of God. And the Holy Spirit, we believe, fills one at baptism and causes that one to see baptism as that changing of effect, that acceptance of that first love of God and that going forward, to be a person who follows Jesus Christ. When at Lover's Lane, we started emphasizing the waters of baptism here and how people entered the water of baptism. When we started focusing on encouraging people to be baptized or to remember their baptism and, and started caring less about how many people were joining the church, how many people were being baptized became the focus. And we saw a shift. We saw a shift from a church that like most other churches has most of our new members come by, um, by transferring from other churches to a, a church that saw 60 to 65 to 68 percent of our new members coming by baptism and profession of faith. And, and that change was remarkable. 
And I think that there were two major factors. One was that we accepted a mission of loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we had to love all the people God was sending us. And that first act of love for many of them was baptism. And secondly, we had a beautiful place in the shepherd's garden where we could have baptism by sprinkling, by pouring, by immersion and uplift the beauty of that symbol. When we focused on the baptism itself and the pool in the garden that uplifts the words Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well, my spirit will gush up within you into eternal life. Things started to change. Deaf people who had received God's good news through sign language started to be baptized in that pool. African refugees who have come to a welcoming home and found a safe haven here started getting into that pool. And 90-year-old people started having their hearts moved and wanting to have this symbol for themselves. They started being baptized. And youth who've been nurtured in the faith and the children's program here and the youth program here, they were going into the waters of baptism. And LGBTQ people who were coming from churches who some of them had been hurt by the church, they found that they were welcome in the pool of baptism. And recovering addicts who were being freed wanted to mark that freedom through this new life in Christ. They were in the waters of baptism. And former offenders whom some called cons and said that they would never change, their sincere acts of faith led them into the waters of baptism and even babies and their parents standing at the waters of baptism we uplifted that all people are welcome in the waters it changed us it made us new it made us recognize that that we can no more hold back the waters of baptism from a person who desires to be baptized because the waters are not our waters. They're the waters of the Holy Spirit. Neither would we keep one from coming to the Lord's table because of race or culture or, or sexual orientation or, or background or, or, or crime or, or addiction or whatever you would name because this is not our table. It's the Lord's table, and we're stewards of it. And so when we recognize that the Holy Spirit will move on all people, we, the church, need to be obedient to the, to the, to the Holy Spirit that moves us to minister to all people. In this image-conscious world, you and I need to pause every now and then and reflect on how the Holy Spirit inspires our faith and is the reason for the existence of our church, our Bible, our Lord's table, our pools of baptism. And this is our hope. The Holy Spirit moves people into the waters of baptism and fills them with the Holy Spirit. 
himself. And it's not at our discretion, but it's at the discretion of the Spirit. I close with this thought. Ben Witherington, a theologian, United Methodist, in his book, Acts of the Apostles, expresses the Holy Spirit held back from offering himself to the Samaritans because Peter and John, the church, had not obeyed Jesus' command to serve as his witnesses to Samaria. Now, if you're like me, when you read this passage, you thought there must have been a hang-up with the Samaritans. And Witherington said, no, it, it wasn't the Samaritans' fault. It was the church's fault because they were unwilling to go to the Samaritans as Jesus had commissioned them to do. Do you remember the Great Commission? I call you to baptize all nations. Jerusalem, your friends and family. Judea, your neighbors. Samaria, the ones you don't really like, the outsiders. To the ends of the earth, I call you to go, church. And the apostles were hesitant to obey. Philip the Hellenist, he was already on the road. We continue reading in this chapter, and before you know it, he's riding in a chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch, and he, he's leading him to Christ and into the waters of baptism. But the apostles, Witherington said, the Holy Spirit seemed to have rebuked the church for its parochialism. Think about it. The Holy Spirit sent Peter and John to a place they never really wanted to go, despised, to Samaria. And the biblical witness, we read it right here in the 25th verse. Now after Peter and John had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem. They went home proclaiming the good news all along the way to many Samaritan villages. One might say that Peter and John took the advice that they had given to the magician Simon and they repented they repented of their own bitterness and wickedness, their own short-sightedness and prejudice. So we must ask ourselves, church, who, who, who are the Samaritans today? Who are the outsiders today? that we're called to go from this place to reach, to bring here, to bring into the waters of baptism for Christ's sake. Wonderful things happen when the Holy Spirit moves upon Christians, the church. And when we move beyond our boundaries 
and our own search for comfort and ease. And we seek out outsiders that the Holy Spirit sends us to enter into the unsettled waters of baptism in which you, even you, you too are welcome. Church, may we be a church that's so others-oriented that we follow the wind of the Spirit wherever that Spirit leads us to bring people to Christ just as Philip did and just as Peter and John came to do. Amen.